Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Experts Podcast. No Carmen Braidwood again this week. She's got a sore throat and if you've got a sore throat when it comes to podcasting, it makes it very, very, very difficult. Get better carbs. Now, here's a little special one. As we close out towards the end of 2023, you're starting to think about your sales. You're starting to think about your business for 2024. And there was a post on LinkedIn. As you're well aware, I'm a massive, avid user of LinkedIn. Caught my attention a couple of weeks ago. Uh, It was by Julia Ewart, who is a sales and negotiation expert. And it was all around that little software called Calendly. Now, if you're not too far across what Calendly is, it's a subscription-based model where you book an appointment with the person at that end. It gets access to their calendar and it allows you to sort of get in there when they've got a moment free. So I'm bringing in the sales expert in all of Australia, Julia Ewart. How are you, Julia? Hi, Nick. Great to be here. Thank you. That post caught my attention. It, it, it actually caught people's attention. It was very controversial. It was controversial, and you did it really smartly in a in a video on your LinkedIn. And I, I went through even all the comments that were made after it. You got quite a a, a range of reaction. Uh, I would say most of it was probably in favour or suggesting that it does irk them a little. But there's also a lot of people in there that were saying they almost live by it. They need it. Um, what made you put the post up? Well, it's been uh, grinding my gears for quite some time, actually, <laughs> people that use Calendly links. And I'm coming at it from not from a productivity point of view, but from a sales process point of view. So if you are the person, hypothetically, if I wanted to sell something to you, Nick, and I was looking to get your attention and I really want to have a meeting with you, well, then I need to make it, I need to make it easy for me, but I also inc- need to do something to increase my chance of success of that happening. And me flicking you a link to my Calendly, which I don't have, um, I think is a high-risk risk strategy because what we're doing when, when people flick out a link in that context is we're deploying like, oh, I hope Nick clicks it. And, you know, if I'm flicking that link out to 15 people, how, who, who did I send it to? Did, I, did Nick yeah. book? Did Nick not book? So it's a very risky strategy. It's such a risky strategy because it's it's taken actually the onus, the the the, the direction, the mo- the momentum from mm. you. Because when I'll, I'll share you my experience, because I know my experience is nothing compared to everyone else's, but they what they actually tell me is that the uh, uh, the actual time and when you put that in front of someone, it's like your time doesn't count. Only my calendar counts. Only my time frames. You've got to work within my time frames. But as someone who's worked in sales almost all of my life, I need to make it fit within their calendar. I need to make sure that I'm making this arrangement and this 
negotiation go in the favour of what they believe is their win, that it is their choice, their decision, not the person clicking on it and hoping that you're almost playing lotto yeah, uh, go forward. Hope is a terrible business strategy. And just to be to be clear, I'm not suggesting um, that this tool cannot be used for other areas of business. If uh, hypothetically in this example, Nick, if we had great connection and we are frequent contacts of each other, then I would be happy to flick you a calendar link and say, well, this will save us all the emails. However, what I was talking about in that post in particular in a sales process, if you're trying to get the attention and in front of a potential new prospect, then you need to make it easy for yourself and increase your chance of success for that meeting happening. Now, the other reason why this is important and the strategy that I talk about in that video is uh, forget the calendar link, that the terminology or the, the choice of words should be along the lines of, um, and if it is in email in the beginning or even messages over LinkedIn in the starting phase, the message would be, if I was trying to get your attention, it would be, hey, Nick, sounds really great. Shoot me your phone number and uh, I'll give you a shout at some chance uh, when we've both got our calendars in front of us so that we can reduce the one billion email exchange. And it's pretty always... much what we did here today, didn't we, Julia? Yeah. I mean, to yeah. even make this work and happen, we, we touched base, said, look, love to have a chat to you about this. Uh, and then you joked around and said, I'll send you my Calendly link. Which I don't uh, have. <laughs> <laughs> but And then we, we conversed over phone and, and hence now it's moved to email. But again, we wanted to, I think we just wanted to make it a little bit more personal than sort of just hoping that they might click on that link. Yeah. The, the other huge benefit of removing the calendar link from those initial initial conversations when there is no relationship yet is when I then pick up the phone and I get to call you, Nick, and have a, a chat, we get to have three to five minutes of pleasant chit chat on the phone, uh, look for connection, find things in common, talk about our day or our week for a short three to five minutes while we're just trying to find a calendar time that suits us. So then by the time we actually have that meeting in you know a week or a few weeks' time, you already feel like we know each other a little bit. So what yep. we're doing by having that three to five minute phone conversation is we are supercharging an opportunity to get trust and connection, which then makes the next meeting or the real meeting much, much more, um, much, much more efficient and much more collaborative because we're not strangers now. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's I think that's the challenge for a lot of us is that we feel and I'm, I'm going to my next question to you is around generations and whether this is more a generational thing, because that picking up the phone, I'm, I'm sensing and seeing a lot more of it out there now that a lot of people are a little bit hesitant about picking up the phone. They prefer to do it all via email, via text or through the non-personable real relationship building approaches. And, and is that just because it's an easy cop out? It's an easy way to do it. I think it's two things, Nick. I think first, um, we need examples of good operators around us that are doing the right thing. The second reason is if you're not naturally, naturally, if you're not good at something, you don't do it. Who likes to yeah. do something they're not good at? No one. That's who. So what we tend to do, if we're not good at something, we avoid it. So yeah. I, I genuinely, genuinely believe, and as I work with all my clients, is that if they don't know how to pick up the phone and what to say when they're first making contact with someone, well, then they're not going to do it because they'll feel yeah. embarrassed, they'll feel shame, uh, they'll feel like they're annoying someone. But when someone has the confidence combined with the right competence to pick up the phone and say the right words in a really uh, collaborative way, then it becomes easier. So I think it's those two things. I think it's they don't have the skills yet. Uh, this is something learned, but they don't have the skills. But second, they are potentially not surrounded by examples of people who are doing this the right way. 
Now, I'm going to bring it all back to media because it, it actually is has everything to do with media in that we work very hard to amplify our brand, our message, uh, to get ourselves out there, to make ourselves known. And then all of a sudden, you've done all of that and the first engagement might be hit a Calendly link. Mm. Now, <laughs> I'm... I'm I, I, I kind of get it for big business and I, I was reading a few of the comments on your LinkedIn uh, post, which we'll have up on our show notes, is the, I do 300 appointments a week. Now, I don't know if that's right or 300 appointments a month might have been, uh, whatever that is. I mean, that's just insane anyway. Um, you can't be doing a lot of good work. Sorry for that person that posted that. But um, it, it kind of, you've got done all the hard work to raise your profile, to get someone interested and engaged and then all of a sudden you're throwing them a link. Yeah. So if you wanted to, if, if, you know, for the listeners and watchers out here, um, for, for the audience, Nick, if they want to get themselves in the media, the most powerful thing they can do is find a phone number. Find a phone number, pick up the phone. Again, it is around having the confidence and the confidence to know what to say when you get through to that journalist. But again, it's really important because when you get to have that three to five minutes of chit chat, you find things in common. Journalists don't have time to muck around. You build some connection so that you're not strangers, so that it makes that next, that that interview, potentially if you get that interview, it makes it a lot more warm. Yeah, I love that. I do like that because I think it is, again, that connection and any media engagement, you'll note that any good presenter will come across as though they know that interviewee, they know that talent very, very well because they've mm. got some kind of relationship. And when you're coming in cold, maybe just from a calendly link or the, you know, a, a distance, you, know, you have no real relationship, you can tell, you can hear it. There isn't any real flow in a particular interview. Just getting back to the, the Calendly, obviously, for those that do need it. And I, I know you talk about this being the fact that this is not for everything. I mean, automation is probably what has helped a lot of business people do things more effectively and more efficiently. Um, where is it, when is it acceptable to throw a Calendly link in front of someone? Well, I would think if we were frequent contacts, Nick, and we had to meet often, then I think it's completely acceptable. Yeah. It saves us, um, you know, I, I have an assistant in my business who, uh, in my company, and, and she looks over uh, after my calendar bookings for me, which is great. So I have a human that does it. Again, uh, I'm choosing to have a human um, in replace of a, of a tech link. And again, I have worked with my assistant um, on the importance of that three to five minute conversation. She also is trained the, so that she doesn't flick people emails of when, when would you like to meet with Julia? She's trained to pick up the phone, have some conversation and essentially build some connection. So if we have, to, you know, to come back to your question, if we do have great um, propensity to be working closely together, um, maybe not in the same office or in different companies. If we were frequently meeting Nick, then I would think it's it's completely acceptable. The risk in using a Calendly, Calendly link when you don't have a relationship is that you are deploying hope and hope is a terrible business strategy. Oh, <laughs> I hope next year is going to be successful. I hope I make a million dollars. I hope I do this. I hope I do that. Yeah, you can't live by that. You've, you've got to be holding your own future in your own hands, not by chance and i think there's too much of that sort of rolling out there i think it's a fascinating approach and, and that people would throw it in there and, and it's a funny story um julia is that i've actually got an appointment in an, in two hours time that i i booked through calendly 
but we do have a relationship. We do have a connection and I kind of, but I reluctantly did it though. And it's as a user of it, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just feel like it's their calendar is far more important than mine. And as if they've, they've taken me down a couple of pegs as if we're not even, we're not on an even standing here. Is, 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 that, is that the general feel that some people will get? Well, it's quite possible. And, you know, even when you shared that perspective with me, I thought that's really insightful because I don't have that perspective when someone throws me a calendar link. Um, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just different. The biggest part that I see when we're overly relying upon tech is what tech will not do, whether it's the AI conversation, whether it's tech in general or specifically calendar links, is that what it won't replace is the hearts and handshakes required in business. And the hearts is all about that emotional connection and the handshakes is about building trust. Really hard to do that if we're just flicking out tech links left, right, left, right and centre. So again, that. That, that being able to you know engage that, the, those hearts and handshakes through that three to five minute chit chat and I say it up front. I say, hey, Nick, throw me your, um, your mobile number. Uh, we'll have a, you know, I'll, I'll call you for a quick hello and we can uh, we can book something with our calendars in front of us. It's so much more warm for connection and building that trust than it is in me flicking your link. I love that. Hearts and handshakes. It's, it's a big message for everyone listening today. Make it yourself more personable. Put yourself in front of your prospective clients, make sure that they know that you're keen, you're interested, and also to build that rapport. I, I, I do love that. Now, Julia, you're a regular uh, in the West Australian. You're a regular on Money News uh, 6PR with Carolee Katzenbarnas, my, my good friend, Carolee. Um, what's that been like working in the media, talking sales, talking negotiation? Because I, I dare say um, it, it can get a little niche, but you know what I always tell people? Try run a business without sales. Yeah, the only word you can actually reply uh, re replace for sales, Nick, is revenue. And it's interesting. It's not unusual that I would talk with a, a business and they would say, oh, Julia, and I've got a small team in my company. There's five of us. And so even when people engage with my team, it's not unusual that we get met with, oh, I don't know if you, 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 know, you can help us because we don't do sales. And I always reply and I pause and say, oh, you don't do revenue? And then they chuckle and go, well, of course we do revenue. And I just say it's the same thing. The only word legitimately you can replace with sales is revenue. But why they respond that way is because I genuinely believe people are still stuck in the 1970s where they think sales is some disgusting thing that we can't talk about. So the only word you can change for sales is revenue. It's the same thing. And critical. Absolutely critical. Julia, are we doing it particularly well today? Are businesses doing it... Uh, in, uh, to a level that, that is better than maybe a decade ago. Uh, are, are we getting any better at this? Yeah, so it, it depends. There's two types of businesses that I, I see that are operating in this, in, in this space, Nick, and we specifically in my company choose to work on one side of these uh, two. There are what we call traditional sales businesses who have a sales team, a traditional sales structure where you might have a national sales manager, state sales managers, and you would have sales teams. Then there are what I would call non-traditional sales businesses who do not have sales teams. They are the professionals. They are the technicians. So they, in the, this example, might be they are the engineer doing the delivery, but they are as well tasked with bringing in and converting new opportunities. Now, my company at Julia Hewitt, um, which is the name of the company, also my name, um, we work specifically only with non-traditional sales companies. So we work with the professionals. We, it would be very unusual. We would, we would be engaged to work with a client who has a sales team, and that is actually by choice. We work with the professionals who are doing the, um, 
um, they're doing the delivery as well as tasked with uh, identifying new opportunities and optimising existing accounts. I think we need to get you in front of Carmen Braidwood because she she does all her own sales and she's constantly talking to me about... Hey, well, it is. I mean, that's something we've got to be thinking about for 2024 is where are they going to come from? Where is the revenue going to come from? And I always find too that sometimes the best sale is is the, is the sale you make that you're not actually trying to do a sale. It's it's a relief. It's a help. It's a, something that you. Yeah. You know, I love this one, helping someone's pain point or or like. But is that the kind of training you do? Is that the kind of training you can help and support businesses? Yeah, so, with? so our company, um, my company Nick, is we are pretty much a one trick pony and happy to be that way. So uh, we get hired by these service based organisations in the B two B space to teach a customizable, repeatable sales process. So you can liken this to the re- revenue machine at a business. If you worked in manufacturing and you had a, a piece of equipment that produced bottles or it produced cars. A repeatable sales process is actually the revenue machine for the business. Without that, what businesses can experience is inconsistent revenue. They can experience poor margins and um, and working with the wrong types of clients. When you have a repeatable sales process in place, you get to have steady revenue, ever-growing revenue, and consistently working with the right types of clients. Love it. Love it. Because rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Get out there and do it. If you're doing something particularly well, um, you want to make that process, that cycle work mm-hmm. as efficiently as you possibly can. Um, what, what have, I talked about generations before around the, the fact that they're not as eager or keen, and I'm sorry I'm doing that broad brush to all the generations of okay. not picking up the phone or using a different, you know, they've grown up in technology where they haven't had to. You know, you and I, or me particularly, I remember bringing the phone out and the long cord and, and bringing it into the, the bedroom to make calls to to the ones that, you know, I was trying to keep away from my parents, but they don't need to do that anymore. Um, is it generational, the, the difference and changes, the way that people do sales? Uh, I would suggest in my experience, I've been doing this for 25 years, Nick. No, it's not. I would suggest it is across the board that there is a reluctance to do this the right way. And again, back to what we spoke about earlier today, is that there are not great examples of companies doing this well. In the industry that I, you know, my company operates, we are surrounded by operators who are cheesy and who are still trying to teach tricks and tactics. And when you can remove that from from, um, the process of sales, my company teaches sales with three principles. It's it's a it's we teach sales with humility. It's a trust first approach, and it's centered on people connection. So it changes the way that people associate with revenue or sales. A lot of people, when they think about revenue and sales, they think uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, the Jordan Belfort approach. Are there any characteristics there that Jordan Belfort does bring? Like, sell me that pen. That kind of. Um, uh, his his approach is, a, I suppose, in a way, very uh, getting to know the person yeah. at the other end. But I, I know the trickery and also to the obviously the illegal elements that he was involved in. But the idea of sales is to really understand your client. Yeah, the most difficult part of actually, and and the part that really takes the highest degree of mastery is what I would call that that uncovering that need or that discovery process. As most people will be familiar with really understanding the brief that does take a degree of mastery 
to have someone to have a prospective client walk away and have them think, wow, Nick probably understands. He gets the brief. He hears me. I feel seen. I feel heard. He absolutely understands. And to do that well, that would be one of the highest degrees of difficulty in a sales or even a negotiation because what you're, you're doing is you're, you're making yourself not the hero of the conversation and you're focusing on somebody else to find out what's most important to them, which is probably not what they're going to give up easily. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really discovering. And I think, you know, when someone feels that they have been heard or listened to and, and understood that they actually feel this is, this is a relationship and a connection not too dissimilar to a family member or a friend, a loved one, you know, it's, it's, it takes it to another level. And this gets us back to the Calendly uh, topic and discussion is that there is no way automation and tech like that can can replace that. No, it's that hands, it's that hearts and handshakes. And the hearts yeah. is about that people that that people-centered connection, that connection with another human. And the handshakes is about building trust. When you remove that from the equation, you imply you you put tech or AI in there. You are playing a risky game, especially in sales and negotiations, because people buy from people they like and people are more inclined to agree with people they like. So if you remove that and put tech in its place, you will blow up deals. Oh, I love that. Um, I'm, you've reinforced my opinion around the Calendly um, position and I, I love that post that you did and I think it was probably and I went through some of your other posts a very well engaged one and one that threw the cat amongst the pigeons without any doubt because there, you, you were questioning people's decision on on their process and, and I don't think people like to be questioned on that. Yeah and, and again that was a strategic post because it was designed to focus on the sales experience or even a negotiation when you don't have a relationship Again, when you have a relationship there, I'm, I'm, I, would be a, I would be an advocate of using that piece of technology. I mentioned that you've been on 6PR, you, a, a writer in the West Australian. Which media is your preferred medium? Oh, that's a question I'm not asked often. Um, I think podcasts where there's, um, or, or television, because you get, again, you get to see you get the uh, you get to have the connection. So it's again harder to connect when you've got someone in place that doesn't have. Um, it's harder to connect when you when you're just connecting with words. When you get yeah. to see the other human, that changes the relationship. It certainly does. Oh, look, I, and I'm glad you said podcast because this the experts podcast is obviously very high on your agenda as well, and something you listen to all the time. Um, but the that opportunity to also dive a little deeper and actually roll things out i think with radio you, you do tend to only have a short period of time and you've got you know limited uh, ability to to get everything out i think mm. you can really workshop these kind of things as we've done with calendly now calendly it is a subscription-based service it ranges from free it does have a free platform there's the ten dollar and then there's the sixteen dollar a month program so it's not it's not overly expensive i mean it, it, in the big scheme of things it's actually a fairly uh, cheap automation kind of thing but my belief and i just want to throw it back to you on this one julia is that i think even that kind of investment is is one that you probably should stay away from just so that you can work on and help build your your, your relationships with your future clients yeah, if you're using it in a sales process or in a negotiation process, Nick, where you don't have a relationship, it's a risky piece of tech and an investment you don't need to make. 
No, I love it, love it. Now, we are heading into 2024, and this is a bit of a question without notice uh, around the trends and, and things around sales. And what we try and do over the holiday period is get people to start thinking, what can they do? What little widget can they add to their service? What little thing can they add to their process that's going to help improve their sales? Without giving away all your IP, Julia, because we'll give everyone a chance to, to, to engage you at some point. But what's the what, what little piece of advice can you give to that small, medium-sized business to improve their sales process? Yeah, this is a really interesting time of the year. And um, the engagement that I have with most of my clients is a, is a 12-month engagement. And every November, we do exactly the same. Um, so if a client stays with me for five years, we do the exact same session every November, starting December. It is a crucial time of the year to set up your February. Uh, in December and January, it's a really strange time of the year in Australia. January is a weird time. Are people on holidays? Are they not on holidays? Can I bring someone? Do I not? Are they, are they, are they at the beach? I don't really know. So in January, well, Australia really doesn't time. start till after Australia Day. So it's true. I would even yeah. I would even argue that it's not until school goes back, which is that first week in February. So for businesses that are in that B two B space, especially if they're doing big deals that are worth tens of thousands at the bottom end, if not hundreds of thousands or several million dollars, those opportunities are pretty much going to be put on ice during. December and January. But for those medium businesses who are still doing deals that are worth a decent amount, the task they should be doing now is they should be picking up the phone, not sending a calendar link, picking up the phone, connecting with their prospects or anyone they'd like to get in front of and offering them an opportunity to catch up with them in the first few weeks in February. And the wording they can use is, hey, Nick, I know we haven't chatted for a few months. How have things been? And you're going to say, oh, I'm really busy, Julia. How about you? And I'm going to go really busy, Nick, too, because everyone's really busy. Um, and I'm going to say, hey, Nick, you know what we should do, though? I know we haven't caught up in a while. What we should do is, if you're not against it, why don't we um, be really organised and make a time to catch up in February and then we can kick off the year with a purposeful conversation around sales strategy? Hey, Nick, I've got my calendar in front of me. Handy, have you got yours? And nine mm -hmm. out of ten people will agree to that. So that means when everyone comes back from the, their holiday leave in January, they have a calendar full of appointments for February and they kick off the year with a purposeful start. Oh, what great advice. What really great positioning for a good start to the year because I think that's almost one of the, the other big fears that a lot of business owners have when it comes to a new year is that they go, oh, it's just going to be slow. How am I going to kick this off? Yeah. What's going to kick me off? And if you've already got half your work planned already, for the yeah. next year. You've just inspired me, Julia. I'm going to be making really, a few it, it, phone calls today. It's a today. really important part of the, the, the process, especially towards the end of the year. So I do this activity in my, uh, every, the last two weeks in November every year. And I'm going to hazard a guess, I've got between probably about 22 and 28 appointments already booked from the end of January um, towards probably the first year, first week in March. Crikey, it's any wonder we've got time to put this podcast together. No. Hey, hey. <laughs> now, um, Let's talk about your business. So which are, what kind of businesses do you work with? Um, how do they reach out to you? And those we've, we sort of talked through a couple of the pain points around sales, but you know, what, what, what do you really support them and help them with? Yeah, thanks for asking, Nick. So essentially, uh, my company is called Julia Hewitt. Um, my website is Julia Hewitt, J-U-L-I-A-E-W-E-R-T. However, if you really want to see what I'm like, go to me on, find me on LinkedIn and connect there. You'll see me the most live there. I'm also quite generous with my um, sharing the knowledge because I genuinely want people to get better at these skills. Um, my company are hired by B2B non-traditional uh, sales businesses and we implement a customizable, repeatable sales process 
And the outcome of that is we help our clients convert more qualified opportunities, increase their margins and win more negotiations. Excellent. Well done. I think it's I think it's something that a lot of businesses will be looking at and going, let's get 2024 off to a right start or at least let's start the conversation because mm-hmm. I think, again, um, I've spoken to oh, numerous businesses in the last week. Some have had a, a red hot six last six months. Some have had a very disappointing. And, um, you know, we talk about the cost of living crisis. We talk about the pressure, the interest rate rises, the cost of everything. And it has a different effect on different people, different businesses, different industries. Yes, and not everyone is the, is the same, are they? Yeah, absolutely correct. Wonderful. Hey, Julia, great to have you on the show. And I think if, if the listeners do connect with you on LinkedIn, you do share a lot of quality content on there. Uh, and it was that post that got, obviously, myself and Carmen's attention. Carmen will be spewing about this because she wanted she wanted to have a chat to you about it because she does have a Calendly booking service. Um, she, But, again, her, her, her day-to-day routine isn't as simple as sitting in an office, you know, nine till five. She's got a very different kind of program. And, again, that, that is for everyone. It's it horses for courses at the end of the day. But I, I really want to hit home that relationship and connection and the way it makes me feel. And I think at the end of the day, any sales transaction that you want to do, you don't want to feel disrespected or feel lower. You want to be coming from an even platform. And I I just think Calendly doesn't quite do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Good work. Thank you, Julia. Thank you for coming on the Experts Podcast. Now, the last one I will hit you with, and it's almost ironic, but I just noticed as I was connecting in with you, that I've got book an appointment on my LinkedIn um, profile. Now, you're, you're a LinkedIn specialist as well. What Did I do that on purpose? Did I actually do that? Because I, I don't remember actually having a book an appointment. Yeah, the, on, the algorithm uh, changes all the time. So you can go in and change that to visit my website, um, book an appointment. You, you, can, you can change that link all the time. You can change that, can you? Because it, yeah. it it just all of a sudden popped up, and I thought, how how ironic that here I am talking about Calendly and how much I don't like it, and then there, we go into uh, my LinkedIn profile and book an appointment there, and I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thanks for joining us, Julia. Thanks for joining us on the Experts Podcast. Great to great to get your insights, and uh, hopefully for the listeners, that'll give you something to to motivate you for twenty twenty four to take your business to another level, to find that new clientele, find that process that works for you mm. and get the hearts and handshakes. Oh my God, that's what I'm gonna use. This is that's gonna be the heart, that's gonna be the oh, headline, Julie. You heard it here first. That's gonna be the headline for the podcast. Your hearts and handshakes. Get Thanks, more of Nick. them and you'll see your revenue increase. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Thanks for having me along, Nick. It's my pleasure. And we look forward to having your company when we speak to another expert and another media next week. Ta-da. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.